Well, we are about a week and a half into the new college basketball season, and there have been plenty of surprises already. What are they? We're going to get right into them. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, November 17th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college basketball show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and joining me for the first time this week is the man Leif Tulin from the uh, Locked On NBA Big Boards Podcast. We want to thank you for making our show your first listen or your first watch every single day. Don't forget that we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts. Well, folks, it's great to have Leaf with us today. What we're going to do is have several different conversations about what we're seeing so far this season. Surprise teams, both good and bad, because there's been plenty of them. Trying to predict, man, are there any top 10 preseason teams that are going to find their way out? We've got Omani Bates resurgence, and the weekend is coming, so we're going to give you some upset watch Picks, but we want to get right into surprise teams. And I'm going to start off by giving you one uh, out of the ACC that has been a bad, bad surprise. Obviously, it's not Louisville, although poor Cardinals, they are going through something right now. Three straight one point loss victories to start their season. Ugh, yuck. But it is a different 0 3 ACC team that I want to start off talking about. And that is Leonard Hamilton's Florida State. Seminoles Leaf, this is brutal. Lost to Stetson, lost to Central Florida, and then most recently back on Monday, lost to Troy. And none of it, it's not like Louisville, one point games. They are just going through it. Now, to be fair to Leonard Hamilton's team, a lot of it to me is injuries and suspensions that they're going through. You expect this team, Leonard Hamilton's teams are always deep. You know, it feels like you got 50 guys each averaging 10 to 15 points, 10 to 15 minutes a game. But even a team of his usual depth, when you start losing players like Naheem McLeod and Jalen Ganey, like it just, it makes it very, very difficult um, to do what you need to do. And so, uh, man, I'm struggling to see how Florida State's going to come back, but it seems like Leonard Hamilton always finds a way to do it. We'll have to keep tabs on this, but early returns are that it is going to be a rough season for the Florida State Seminoles. Yeah, that one shocked me particularly because, you know, they lost one to Stetson. You'd think they're going to bounce back and beat Central Florida. I know it was a road game, but, you know, Leonard Hamilton's teams are uniquely built to beat teams in in the sense that they have more athletes. They've got more depth. So when you play lower-level teams, you should wear the teams out. It's not like playing the ACC when you're running against comparable athletes. And even then, the formula has worked for Leonard Hamilton to wear teams out by playing 12 men. (laughs) And he, he has a saying that says, I've got 12 men that are better than your five. And you think that would work against the teams they've played, but it hasn't. So that would be up there on my my shocks as well. And for for another uh, kind of negative shock, I'll go with the TCU Horned Frogs, who Oof. last year really really struggle, uh, really finished the year ex- exceptionally well and had uh, scintillating expectations. Granted, they're missing Damian Baugh, who's a returning two guard. Right. And, and I was actually at their March Madness run where they beat Seton Hall in impressive fashion and should have, or, or could have, or should have beaten. <laughs> Uh, Arizona and and it was an amazing should have should have is definitely I'll say should have I I was there I was in the Arizona section cheering on for TCU I was I was in the minority and I was ready for ready for that one to happen and but the long story short is they've really struggled 
Um, they've played teams that have been able to minimize the impact. Their lone loss has come without Mike Miles and Damian Ball. But yeah. but yeah. I, I almost disregard that and say that their two wins were less imp- uh, less uh, <laughs> impressive than their one loss. Like it, it, it's, it almost worries me more that they had to come back from such a deficit than they lost without their best player and arguably their second best player. So TCU is a team that I thought could compete within the Big 12, which was arguably the best conference in America. Yeah. And, yeah. They're, and they're losing or trailing in games to teams that have no business playing the competition level that the TCU will be playing. Yeah, boy, uh, Big 12 is a gauntlet to run. And if TCU is going to look like this, they might find themselves pretty low in the bottom of those standings. As for good surprises, I got to go with the Michigan State Spartans. I love it. I'm a huge Tom Izzo fan. always love his teams. And coming into this year, unranked, and you think, yeah, you know, they'll they'll make it to March, but you know, maybe like a six, seven, eight, nine in that range kind of seed. But here they come in a span of five days. They lose to Gonzaga by one point and then upset Kentucky uh, to kick off the Champions Classic, a fantastic game. Great to get Oscar Sheway back, by the way, in action. But I, I love it. Um, for for a team that's unranked to come within like two points of knocking off two top four teams in five days unreal you love to see it one of the things for me is joey hauser had a really rough game against gonzaga and then came out and killed it against kentucky if they want to keep doing what they're doing uh he's going to have to keep having that type of performance as for me i'm not a fan of like let's slowly eke a team in to the ap top 25 to me next week when it refreshes they need to be in the top 10 i'm with you i think they need to really uh, jump up the rankings. The issue for going up to the top 10 is the top eight feel like they're pretty like locked into the spot, but, but I agree with you. Uh, Michigan state, like you ask yourself the question, who's their best player. I would say it's Malik Hall, but then yeah. if you go two through six, there, there could be any uh, sort of permutation computation right there. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I would, I would go with probably AJ Hogart is their second best player. Madi Sissoko to me is the most improved yeah. player in wow. college basketball. And then you've got Tyson Walker, who may lead their team in scoring. Joey Hauser, like you mentioned, had a huge bounce back game. Um, Tom Izzo's always going to have his players playing hard, but I thought this was one of their more undermanned squads. I did too. But but they lost three of their best players, if not their three best players from last year's seven seed team that I didn't think was particularly good. Eked out a win against Davidson, played Duke tough, and and now they're arguably a top 10, top 15 team in the country. So this is a masterful coaching job and certainly a pleasant surprise. Man. Good. Leaf, anybody else for you that has been a pleasant surprise outside of the Spartans? Yeah, there's one team that I expected to start out with the same record they have, but the way they've done it has stood out to me, and that's the St. Mary's Gales. I've always been a fan of Randy Bennett's teams, the way they're very methodical, they're they, they play good defense, they run good offensive sets and get the ball inside, but they lost some some core identities to their team. They lost a pick-and-roll savant and Tommy Cousy. <laughs> they, they lost their interior presence and photo and and toss and and they somehow found a way to figure that out and and win in dominating fashion against what i would describe as pretty good competition for when you're a wcc team and and you're scheduling your non-conference i would say they scheduled pretty uh menacingly i mean obviously gonzaga is is the the preeminent example they have to schedule like these big dogs but They've been able to beat teams like North Texas. It was top 80 the last few years as a mid-major. I think it was five years straight. North Texas was the top 80 team in Ken Palm. 
and they dismantled them, beat them by 30, only giving up 33 points to a team that that beat Purdue just a few years ago in the NCAA tournament and has the same cast of characters there. Um, they also were able to beat a, a very good Vermont team and uh, I believe Oral Roberts. So, so, you know, that's a very impressive slate to to kind of conquer and conquer with ease. So I, I'm impressed by Randy Bennett's squad, and I'm curious to see if they'll be represented within the top 25. Man, yes, you certainly hope so. Always love to see more representation out of the West Coast Conference, especially as you think about BYU shuttling out of it next season. Well, Leaf, we have to talk about Mr. Amani Bates. What a beginning to his new career in Eastern Michigan. Did it take going from Memphis to Eastern Michigan for him to live up to his hype? We'll unpack it in a moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Nugenics. I tell you what, folks, as I get into the holidays, my eating habits go out the window and I got a straight up dad bod at this point. I don't have the time to work out, but like you all, I want the energy and body I once had. You want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging? Well, Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testofen will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, and get you better results at the gym while helping you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. So get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T right now when you text COLLEGE to 231-231. Again, text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape fast, absolutely free. Again, text college to 231-231. One more time, that's college to 231-231. Texting enrolls you in recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase messages and data rates may apply. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only we at Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. All right, Leaf, so here's the situation. Imani Bates, one of the most heralded prospects in a long time as a 15, 16-year-old, is on magazine covers and getting proclaimed as the next big thing and comes to Memphis and lays an absolute turd last season. It was frankly disappointing, underwhelming, and now for a variety of reasons, including Penny not wanting him back, he transfers to Eastern Michigan back home in Ypsilanti. And so uh, he missed Eastern Michigan's first game, serving a suspension for some questionable deeds uh, earlier this year, but uh, has been back now for two games, both losses, a close one to Michigan, 88-83, and again on Tuesday night to Bradley, 89-61. Now here's the thing. Imani Bates' career high at Memphis was 17 in his season premiere career starter against Tennessee Tech. He's broken that in each of his first two games at Eastern Michigan. Career high 30 points against Michigan, followed it up on Tuesday with 20 against Bradley. So here's the conversation I want to have, Leaf. Is this real, the Eastern Michigan version of Imani Bates? Is this more in line with the, the prospect we thought we had? Or is it too soon to call? And it's really the Memphis Amani Bates. What do you think? I mean, I'm somewhere in between and, and that's, I think where everyone's going to be. I would lean a little bit more on the skeptical side because he scored 30 against Michigan and that was very impressive, but Michigan's not a team that suffocates you defensively. <laughs> um, that they, they, they have youthful players on the wings. 
Um, Jet Howard's a supremely talented player in his own right, but he, he's young and he wasn't even always on him. And then, and then you score 20 against Bradley, but your team, and this isn't necessarily specific to him, but you lose by 20. And that, <laughs> and that, that concerns me as well. I think the hype was unreal, uh, unfair to him. And it was unreal coming out. Like you, you were seeing him as a 13 year old saying the next KD and, and that's not fair to anyone. But I think it. I think the reason he's getting some of this stock and, the, and this hype, and even still, is because of those YouTube videos six, seven years ago. If this were to happen to someone that you know was a highly regarded recruit that didn't have those videos and the claims of being the next KD, I think people would write him off and say, "Okay, he's he's good, but he's not an NBA draft caliber player because because he didn't do this at the higher level." So I think he'll need to have a few more of those type of games. His efficiency has been impressive. And then one thing I'll, I'll put in there is that he, he's so thin. It, it makes me worried from if I put on my scout perspective for the NBA draft big board. Yeah, it's, it's hard for me to say, say that, wow, I, I want him defending a couple of these players that will be playing at the next level. Um, so his shot is, is the one thing I have never really questioned. He's got great touch. He's got great form and he's a shot maker. He's taken some questionable ones in his career. But but he can make shots. But but I don't know if you can not be able to defend and be that thin. And the only person that really comes to mind that's had this kind of same track record is Michael Porter Jr. But he's one of the best shooters in the entire NBA, and he's a little bigger, and he's certainly thicker, yeah, and he's definitely. still a poor defender. So it gives you a <laughs> it gives you a, a a little bit of a scary. So I'm a little bit on the skeptic side here. Yeah, I would have to go that way as well. I like competition teammates i think all of that factors into it i i think probably the bigger part of this conversation for me is his dad in this whole thing creating a school for him and and all that i feel like that has done a disservice to his progression um now i'm sure his parents love him and want the best for him and all of that stuff but i just feel like um him not having the opportunity to be pushed and challenged in different ways at the high school level essentially stunted his growth. Um, obviously, we know he came in a year early, and that can have some factors into it. Maybe that year of, I'll say, maturation, but based on some uh, decisions we've seen, you know, you, you kind of question some of that. Um, but like, if we see this, if he's averaging 22, 25 a game throughout the season at Eastern Michigan, I mean, at a, at a high major capacity, you know, we, we saw it last year. It, he's going to be under 20. And so you have to factor that in is, is who is Eastern Michigan playing in, in, the, in the Mac and those kind of things. So I, I'm with you. And obviously you have a, a, a bigger perspective as somebody that does a lot of draft prospect stuff. Um, and so if you had to plant your flag in the ground today and make a call, when we get to next summer, are we hearing Amani Bates name called in the 2023 NBA draft? I'd say confidently not in the first round. Okay. Um, I think there's a way he can sneak in the backside because there's more upside than most people that would be drafted in the second round. Sure. Like you look at most second rounds, it's usually older players that could be valuable as a defender. And there's a little bit of upside. There's usually a lot of foreign players. He's got more, he's got more intrigue because of that shooting capacity. So I won't rule out hearing his name, but I'll say pretty confidently, I don't see him being a first round pick. Yeah. As as you guys process this, you and Raphael and, and the guys on Big Board, when you have something like uh, him getting into to trouble with the uh, with the law like he did uh, recently, how much of a factor or negative factor is that that NBA GMs take into consideration? 
I mean, it's hard. It's hard to know because we don't know the entire story. Um, I, I like to think when I watch them, I like to see their mannerisms on the court as, as just determining what how good of a character they are for their team. Um, and, and so it, it, time will tell on that because I, I think at times at Memphis, you saw him engaged and he looked good. Like, for instance, when they, they played Gonzaga in the second round of the tournament and he came in off the bench and embraced the role of being a three point shooter and, and defending on the wing, guarding Julian Strother, I thought yeah. I thought he did a good job. Yeah. Um, that said, it, it, this type of team that doesn't have the surplus of talent that Memphis had, I'm curious to see how he'll handle being with teammates that are lesser talents and how he handles losing. Is it with grace or is it with uh, with frustration? So I, I think time will tell on that one. And because of the, the details of the law aren't exactly communicated <laughs> to people of our, of our ranks and they right. may be to the, the, the people actually drafting, it's hard for me to influence. So I just kind of go off their basketball uh, alone and but i it certainly doesn't help i'll put it that way like it's not a it's not a rave review that that you hear and you're like okay like at worst this guy's gonna be a phenomenal yeah. teammate yes so that, that, there's a little bit of concern but not too much okay eyebrows raised but we are not writing him off for sure uh going to be very interesting to keep tabs on imani bates this season see what he's doing and how he's progressing as compared to last year at memphis well, we have had some nice uh, upsets already this college basketball season. Of course, we expect a treasure trove more. Who are Leaf and I looking at this weekend to be on Upset Alert? Well, we'll tell you in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, Bet Online has it all. And if you love sports podcasts, well, first check out Locked On, but then you can find a bunch of those at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So, Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, Leaf, so we come to our second weekend of college basketball action. It's the weekend before Thanksgiving, so we're getting ready and excited for all the MTEs coming up next week. It's like Christmas for me on Thanksgiving week. I cannot wait to just sit and watch a treasure trove of basketball. But, uh, Let's start talking about who we are going to put on upset watch this weekend. My first one is the Indiana Hoosiers in the Gavit games. I, I think playing at the Cintas Center for Xavier, that's a formidable uh, home crowd. Xavier's also a formidable team. Absolutely. They've got the the rare combination of experience and size in the front court that is comparable to that of the Hoosiers with Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson and with Zach Fremantle and Jack Nungy. Um, and they've also got a few guards that I think are a really big 10 caliber or, or guards playing in the big East that I think are hiding in plain sight. Colby Jones is someone we've discussed on the locked on NBA big board podcast. Oh, and I, I think he's probably the best guard in this game. And, and I, I tend to, when I, when I think of a, like a March madness bracket, I say, who's got the better guards. And I think it's the same thing early on in the season who can establish tempo, who can, who can be the more experienced team, who hits more shots. And I think Xavier's got a really good chance to beat the number 12 team in the country who's coming in with high expectations in the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, that, that's a great call. The Gavit game's there. That game is Friday night, 6 o'clock Eastern on FS1. Make sure you check it out. I want to stay with Friday night for a game. This one, you know, less so of an upset. It's Virginia at Baylor. It's, you know... 
the 16th team in the nation versus the fifth team in the nation. But if you look at Ken Palm, they're five and six. These two teams are very close together. But I think especially coming off of Virginia kind of having a downturn the past couple of years, most people around the nation are still kind of coming around on what what is Virginia now um, and and Baylor having the success they've had the last several years. I think nationally people look at these teams in two different uh, views, but they are much closer than people would imagine. But I love games like this that pit Virginia's pack line defense under Tony Bennett against just this incredibly athletic team that Scott Drew always has down in Waco. I love freshman Keontae George. I love him pairing with Adam Flagler uh, and just making the like a three guard lineup. Really interesting stuff. I'm curious to see how Kihei Clark can do against them. I know it's his fifth year at Virginia, but he's so diminutive, so undersized. I just don't know if his capabilities will match up with Baylor, but Virginia does just enough to bother you with that defense to where you just have to stay so dialed in for an entire shot clock and another entire shot clock if you can't grab a rebound that this game should be really interesting. It's Friday night, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. Yeah, that's an interesting game. I, I think that Baylor's got the rare ability to shoot the ball over the, the pack line where like the pack line basically dares you to shoot threes exactly. a little bit beyond the arc and, and hit threes. I think that the, the key to that game is is can Baylor, you know, get a few free baskets pushing because they gamble and get in passing lanes. Virginia's not a particularly dynamic offense. <laughs> if they, I mean, they're slow, but that doesn't mean they're not good. A few years right. ago when they won the national championship, they were the top Ken Palm offense um, despite playing a slower pace. This year, I think they have to work harder to score. They don't have an answer like Kyle Guy or DeAndre Hunter or Ty Jerome. And so I, th- I think Baylor pulls away in that one because they've got the guards to match up with the defensive chops of the guards of Virginia. But I do think Reese Beekman guarding Ke- uh, Keontae George will be very interesting. Yes. I'll stay in that same tournament, though. I think Illinois, and like you said, not a humongous upset should it happen. Illinois could trouble uh, UCLA because UCLA yeah. is adapting. I think they've looked very good so far this season. They do have two players returning that are phenomenal, and they have a few other players returning that are taking new roles. But Jalen Clark has thrived right now as being the glue guy extraordinaire, but he's playing against subpar competition. Now all of a sudden he's facing an athlete that's a better athlete than him and Terrence Shannon. Um, Illinois has got moving pieces, but I think they've got, if you look roster to roster, that's a pretty much equal talent split. Um, So I would favor UCLA, but I think uh, personally, if if an upset were to happen to the lower team winning in that tournament, I would say that Illinois is more likely to beat UCLA than Virginia is to beat Baylor. But Mm -hmm. that said, I'm, I'm super eager to watch those. Yes, Uh, I'll give one more for me. This is a game coming up on Sunday afternoon, noon Eastern on ACC Network, and that is James Madison visiting North Carolina. And you think, okay, mid-major at the number one team in the land. But listen, let's be honest about this. For anyone who has seen North Carolina early this season, they have not looked like the number one team in the country. Just escaped on Tuesday night with a victory, and man, it – they need to figure some things out. These Tar Heels do. Now, when people look at a schedule and see mid-majors, I think they think, oh, walk over, you know, this team's in the 150s, 200s. But this is a great reminder that not all mid-majors are created equal. James Madison is top in the top 100. They're 82nd right now at Ken Palm. They are 4-0 uh, against 
Valley Forge who whatever, but Hampton, Buffalo, Howard, these are not chump teams, all of them. And uh, these games have been absolute blowouts. They're raining threes. I think they had 13 or 15 in their most recent game on Tuesday against Howard. And so it should be a tough game. Although, of course, Ken Palm only gives them a 13% chance to win this game. But if North Carolina continues to perform as it does, they are certainly on upset alert. Uh, we got to figure out uh, where is the ACC preseason player of the year, Armando Baycott. He's been essentially a non-factor other than the second half of Carolina's game against College of Charleston last weekend. I, I agree. That was one I was planning on highlighting. And um, I, I think that James Madison has beaten quality opponents and not only beaten them, they, they've beat them down. Like <laughs> Buffalo, typically, when you look at a preseason schedule, that's a team that stands out to me as like, oh, they can pull an upset. And, and I thought about that game. And I was like, man, James Madison's an 11-point favorite against Buffalo? <laughs> yeah. Like, what is this? And then James Madison beat them by 40. Um, so I'm not saying that they're going to beat North Carolina, yeah. but I think North Carolina will have to play significantly better than they have in order to win by the same margin that they've won their previous games. And and I think there's there's something to be said for, you know, there's a lot of chemistry for the Tar Heels coming back on a championship caliber run where they came up just short, but they don't have a bench right now. And, and James Madison's, if, if they could get someone in foul trouble, namely Armando Baycott would be the, the main one if that would if you were to choose, if you're the James Madison coach, like, hey, who can we choose to get in foul trouble? <laughs> Baycott would be the guy. That's right. But if there's foul trouble, there's a significant drop-off because Puff Johnson has been out. Um, the, the Jalen Washington has been limited. And you've got just uh, Seth Trimble. I almost called him Mellow Trimble. But <laughs> Seth Trimble is good, but he's, he's not R.J. Davis nor no. Caleb Love. No. And so I, I think that, should there be a drop-off, foul trouble, this could be a very interesting game. 100%. Okay, folks, there are four games from Leaf Tulin and I for you to watch out for this weekend. Some great basketball, and it's going to be a great another week of it next week. Make sure you tune in. Tomorrow, we've got a bonus episode coming up for you with national champion Louisville point guard, Mr. Peyton Siva. I'm going to talk to him about everything that's been going on with the Louisville program recently. Thank you so much for making Locked on College Basketball your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you can hit the like button and comment on your upset watch picks or some other teams that have surprised you so far this season. For Leaf Tulane, I'm Isaac Shade, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Peace.